I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Building the Dam podcast. Joining me shortly will be Travis uh, from Building the Dam. And we'll talk about the new baseball hire, football recruiting, and get into some of your Twitter questions. I mean, now is Travis Johannes. Travis, how are you doing today? Ah, uh, not bad. Good, good to hear. Uh, an eventful 24 hours for Oregon State baseball, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's been a little bonkers. Not even just baseball, just Oregon State in general with the couple of recruits landing. And then, yeah, I got the baseball. It, it was yesterday. I felt like about every hour or so there's something that we're like oh we better put put up an article about this oh that's new we better put up an article about this so <laughs> yeah it was pretty exciting there was mitch canham being announced as the new baseball coach kind of came out of nowhere not not even necessarily the canham part but just i did not expect that news to break yesterday like i thought because the news broke that he was uh interviewing yesterday so i figured okay at, at quickest i figured we'd hear something maybe today but I, you know, thought it'd be they'd sit on it for a couple of days. They try to figure it out and interview maybe someone else too. I don't know. But I was surprised that yesterday all of a sudden you see the tweet from uh, Kendall Rogers. And I'm like, oh, oh, wow. So there we go. So that, that one, I did not see that one coming that soon. Yeah. Um, uh, listening to Bob Lundenberg's podcast yesterday, I believe, he kind of was under the impression it was going to be a week, maybe two weeks before we'd get a decision. Yeah. Um, so that's and what then, I was thinking. And then last night, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, all right. Boom. Yeah. I was joking. He must have crushed his interview if he was going to be announced that quickly. But uh, I think it was Scott Barnes said that he interviewed a half a dozen um people candidates for the job so that surprised me as well they're busy at work yeah and I, i'm kind of curious too who the other three are because you, you know obviously it's bailey yeski and canham i would imagine andy jenkins maybe but other than that i have no idea yeah your guess is as good as mine um but tell me everything you know about mitch canham uh you seemed it yeah. seemed like he was your number one choice during this coaching search um, what do you think about him? How do you feel about the hire? Uh, I, I like it. I, I um, I kind of, I, I sort of disagreed with a lot of people. I think a lot of people thought you have to promote from within. And I, I kind of thought they needed to go with a little bit of new blood, um, for a few reasons, but mainly I just, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times promoting from within does not work out that well. And as much as, People wanted, you know, but especially a bunch of former players thought Yeski should have got the job. I, it's not apples to apples comparison, but a bunch of players wanted Corey Hall to get the job after Gary Anderson left. And I don't, you know, so I, I don't think I, I'm glad that they that that apparently wasn't um, what made the decision for them. Obviously, they kind of went uh, sort of. 
outside the box ish. I mean, Canem's still a, a former Reeve and everything, so I don't think it was necessarily that surprising of a hire for someone outside the current program, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, yeah, and I I think you're definitely right. There's there's a comfort factor with promoting within the program, and um, it was it's a little bit of a bold move to hire Mitch Canham. He's only 34 years old, kind of unproven, especially at the college level. They don't know how he's going to recruit and all that stuff. But but I like it. I mean, my first choice was Nate Yeski going into the coaching search. And I still feel really bad for Nate Yeski. I feel like he's been passed over for promotion two years in a row now. Um, but it seems like they're going to try to bring everybody back on staff. I think Pat Bailey's already um, signed on. And then we'll we'll see about the rest of them. But uh, what do you think the chances are that everybody stays on the staff between Andy Jenkins, Nate Yeski, Pat Bailey, um, underneath Mitch? I think it's going to be hard to keep everyone um, for a couple of reasons. You, you only have two paid assistants. So for if they, you know, if Yeski and Bailey stayed, that means Jenkins would have to go back to the, the volunteer position that he was before. Mm-hmm. So that's, <clears throat> um, that's, that'd be a, uh, that's kind of a backward step for him. And I also, I don't see Nate Yeski staying. I mean, maybe I could, Maybe maybe he stays on for a year because it is sort of late in the hiring process, in a sense. So he, he might have already kind of missed out on some opportunities. But I, if if I'm if I'm him, I'm 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 looking for other opportunities because you're not gonna. I mean, I think he he sort of stayed. He he's already passed up a couple opportunities to stay at Oregon State, and I think he probably had a, had the sense that Pat Casey was somewhat close to the end of his career. Um, so I think he was kind of sitting there waiting, thinking, okay, that's going to be my shot. You know, he wanted to stay there. He wanted to be the head guy at Oregon State. He, I know he passed up, I think, at least a couple SEC offers for to be a pitching coach. And if I remember correctly, last year, the the Mariners reached out to him, and I don't know the exact substance of that as far as if it was a job offer, if it was the MLB, or if they wanted him to be, you know, their AAA pitching coach. Um I don't know what the extent of that conversation was, but um, according to Kendall Rogers, they at least reached out and he said, no, I'm good here. So I I think I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, come September or October when major league baseball goes through coaching changes, if he doesn't end up working in a major league organization. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of late in the hiring process. Um, for majors, obviously. So I think yes, he, he could stick around for a year. But you're you're right. He could come September, October. He could um kind of bail on Oregon State, and that would not be ideal for the baseball team. Um, but overall, I think this is kind of best case scenario. I think Mitch is a great hire for the program. It'll be nice to have Pat Bailey and Nate Yeski at least for a year to kind of uh smooth things over. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it turns uh, how it turns out for Canem. I mean, he was he was on his own on his own uh, basically path to the majors as far as a coach. He was uh, he was beloved in the Mariners organization from every everything I've heard and read. His his players loved him. The organization loved him. He's he was there for four years. He was his first year. He was the single A coach. 
and then they promoted him to the um, what's it, it, it advanced single ace. So he was with the advanced single A team for a couple of years, and then this year he got promoted to the double A. So he's I mean he's been climbing that ladder pretty dang quick. So it's a big risk for him, I think. You know, he, he had a pretty good setup there where I don't think he was too many years from being on potentially being on the major league staff, you know, maybe not manager yet, but just watching his press conference today, it seemed like he, this is the place that he wants to be. He's really excited to be a coach at Oregon state and this is kind of his dream job. And he had to kind of pounce on it when the opportunity arose. Um, what did you think of the press conference today? Uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of listened to it a little bit. I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I never really care that much about press conferences anymore. After yeah. after Gary Anderson's press conference had me ready to run through a wall in excitement. You know, I thought, oh, man, this guy is – and then we know how that turned out. I just – I don't I, – I don't know. I don't I don't think any – I don't think you really learn much from a press conference. It's either – it's – you better be able to kind of win the press conference in a sense – if you can't, that's a that's a bad sign. But a lot of even bad coaches can win the press conference. So I I, I don't know. It, I like some of the things he said, but again, I, I don't. I personally don't put too much stock into a press conference. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I was just kind of surprised. He doesn't seem like a real. Uh, he kind of seemed a little quieter spoken than I imagined. Um, but he's also seemed very sincere, and everybody around him seems to love him, and he seems to be a great leader. So. Looking forward to it. I think the baseball program is going to be A-OK in the coming years. Um, but moving on, Oregon State had some recruits commit to uh, Oregon State over the weekend, the past couple of days. What can you tell me about the recruiting? Is it improving, going well? You know what I can tell you? You're welcome, Beaver Nation, because here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, you know, it, there was articles, and we talked about it some, about how their recruiting wasn't doing well. You know, Jonathan Smith isn't tweeting and all this. And some of the brilliant people over at buildingthedam.com, mainly, and, and I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm taking credit for this idea. Um, it was it was John Seaver, Seaver's idea. If that's, oh, man, I hope I pronounced his last name wrong. Right. I hope I didn't pronounce his last name right. Um, there was John's baby. I, 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 I uh chipped in a little bit and I think Joe did as well, but we posted an article about, you know, other ways, uh, right. Or not Riley, <laughs> a little Freudian slip there. I think, um, that Smith could reach the players in an old school sense, because that's what he said he liked to do. And after that article we've taken off. So I, I, I mean, I'm not saying, but I, I'm just saying, <laughs> No, yeah, I think there's a direct correlation. After we let Jonathan Smith know he doesn't need Twitter, he can use the Telegram, he can use the plain banner. Recruiting's yeah. really taken off. Handwritten notes. It's just it was it was really an informative, well thought out article. And <laughs> I mean, I think I think a lot of coaching staffs across the country are gonna are gonna look at that and you know take it to heart. And I think it's really gonna change the recruiting landscape. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, they that big recruiting weekend, apparently they had everybody on campus um, that they could get, and they had three new commits over the weekend. Um, I think two of them junior college guys, one of them 
transfer from Arkansas. Well, that, so the they're all three junior college, but one of them hadn't played in the junior college, and I don't understand. I don't. He's apparently going to be eligible. That's one of the things I'm confused about because yeah, it seems up in the air at this point. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But that was the Kyrie, Kyrie uh, yeah. Fisher linebacker. Yeah, Fisher. So, but apparently he's going to be eligible this year, which is huge. And then the the um, who was the other one? The there was a uh, the the one that's yeah, um, Nation Wright or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right there. He he's <laughs> That was a pun on accident. Um, he's going to be eligible this year too, which that's huge. Just having some guys on campus that can contribute right away with this defense. Um, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse because everyone knows that this defense last year was subpar, at least. That's that's oh, that's about as nice as I could say about it. Um, so it, yeah. getting. The coaching staff has done a really good job of getting players that can hopefully help improve the defense for next year. Between those two guys, a couple of the other Juco guys they picked up, and the transfers from from Nebraska and Oklahoma, um, and and then the uh, what's that freshman, the Omar Spites, Spates. Again, I'm yep. probably bring that last name. Um, I think the defense is going to look a lot different this year. I I don't necessarily know that it'll be good, but it'll be. It, I think it sh- should be significantly improved. I have a. I think I'm working on a on a on a story. Um, I forget what I forget what I predicted, but I think I have um, Oregon State finishing as like the. 75th best defense in the country this year, which doesn't sound great, but that's a huge improvement from like 120 something. So, yeah, that's like jumping like 50 teams yeah. um, from where we were a season ago. So I would take 75th in a heartbeat if that's that. where they end up. Um, but yeah, speaking of Nebraska transfers, they got a punter punter slash place kicker transfer from Nebraska, Caleb Lightborn, um, which was another pickup, which was nice. And then just yesterday, um, <laughs> yes, Hunter U is where it's at. And then just the other day, they got another um, in-state commit from um, McNary High School, Junior Walling. Yeah, you say just the other day. Both of those happened yesterday, the same day, Canum and and – so yeah, that's we we're kind of talking about that earlier. It was a little, a little bit bonkers to be honest. Um, but yeah, the I honestly I don't know much about the the punter. Um, he was a starter for a while and then lost his job, so he at least he, he looks like he, he could be a contributor. I it sounds like he's got to sit out this year, and then yeah, because the transfer rules, and then he'll have one year of eligibility. So. I mean, it, that, that's honestly, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a uh, move that gets, that moves the needle a whole lot, but you never know in, in, in a year he could be, we could be really, you know, thankful that he is our punter because he has shown, um, has had quite a bit of success at Nebraska, he had a rough year this year and then 
was replaced and whatnot. But you yeah. can never go with adding with adding more depth in any position. Yeah, and that's I mean Oregon State needs depth everywhere, so I I like it. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth recruiting with you. Uh, I was digging into two four seven sports and rival sports today, looking at some of the in state out of state guys. Um, so I'm just gonna talk about the in state guys real right. quick. I was looking at um, you're 53rd right now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's pretty good. Let's keep it up. Um, so. Let me know if you heard of any of these names or not, but these are the in-state guys that Oregon State are targeting or who I think they should target. So first is Silas Starr, uh, wide receiver, Jalen John, um, talented running back. Then there's Max Lindsey from Tiger, cornerback. He's the younger brother of Braden Lindsey, um, who committed to Notre Dame, I believe. And then there's a uh, Luke Marion, Twalton safety, and then a couple of linemen that I think eventually Oregon State will offer, and Grant Stark and Luke Popma. Um, do you know anything about those in-state kids? Um, I mean, yes, because up until a year ago, I was a high school athletic trainer at Tigard High School, so I actually, um, which is where. Max Lindsay goes, um, but I've also seen a couple of the other kids, and I mean, it, it, there's some talent out there. Um, it, it's hard to it's hard to judge exactly versus some of the other states because Oregon's, I mean, never really that high as far as uh, the talent it produces versus you know, yeah. Texas obviously, or even even Washington, um, but. There, there's definitely some talent out there that I think Oregon State has a good chance at. And, you know, they will be guys that might not set the world on fire right away, but could definitely develop into pretty strong players for Oregon State. Um, yeah. I know I've seen – uh, what was the running back? Jalen John. He yep, was a, he's, at, he's at Lake Ridge, I believe. Um Sounds right. We were seeing him a couple times. He was pretty good. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm a big fan of Max Lindsay. Um, I, yeah, I mean, he seems like a kind of a monster, a nose for the ball, grabbing lots of interceptions. People just might be afraid of his frame. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's not necessarily a tall kid. So, and and it seems like the the in cornerback now are the tall and lanky ones, um, tall and lanky guys. So that, that works against him, but I don't know. I, I, I think he'll, he'll end up at a pretty solid school. He, he should, I think he'll, especially during his senior year, going to contribute a lot more teams are going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to put up enough stats and put up enough good film that, I think some teams are going to go, okay, you know, maybe he's not the ideal size or whatever, but let's bring him in because he, he has a nose for the ball and can produce. Um, I don't know much about some of the other kids. Was it Silas Starr? I know he's wide receiver at Central Catholic, right? Yep. Yeah. That's about all I know. Him. Um, and then I can't say I know much about the linemen. Yeah. <laughs> linemen aren't 
the easiest to, to scout or point no, out I, on a football I, field. I have no idea um, uh, what how good he is. And I think it's like Oswego lineman named Tiger Shanks. And I just, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't care if he's good. I want, I, I like fun names. Um, so yeah, let's get back. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of fun names, I think the number one prospect on the board right now is Chuba Purdy, QB. I think uh, if the Beavers don't get Chuba to come to Corvallis, that's a big loss. And if they do get Chuba to come to Corvallis, um, I'm probably going to lose a lot of followers on Twitter by repeatedly making really stupid jokes. But <laughs> um, And if I'm not mistaken, he's the younger brother of Brock Purdy, um, yeah. who's Iowa State and who start like Oregon State was trying to get his older brother, um, but he went to Iowa State and now he's like a Heisman contender. He's a Heisman contender? I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, he, he got the starting job last year and did really well, so he's probably like 20, 25th on the list of Heisman contenders, but he's he's up there. There's odds for him. <laughs> um, but four out-of-state guys, I don't know much about them, but I think they're guys to keep an eye on um, that Oregon State might be the favorite for, and that'd be Latrell Bankston. He's a junior, uh, community college not community college, junior college defensive tackle. And uh, I think there's a Nishan Wright, one of the commits this past weekend. I think he's buddies with them. He was tweeting about him on social media. Then there's uh, Aiden Finney, offensive tackle, Jake Overman, a tight end, and Jameer Shepard, a wide receiver. So, yeah, I think the Beavers are picking up the recruiting trail, and there's still still good news on the horizon. Yeah, um, it's. It, it. I feel like I'm curious to see if we hit a bit of a, a quiet period now, just because the past two or three weeks, I think we've picked up like, uh, like seven guys, I believe, maybe eight. With if you count the punter transfer, like in that, like in the last three weeks. So I feel like that. Obviously, that pace can't continue because eventually you're gonna run out of room in your class. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a, a quiet period right now. Um, and, but, uh, but I, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic about this class right now. I guess that's why I would put it. Cautiously optimistic. It looks, it looks like it's going to be fairly strong. Um, compared to past couple classes and at least in the, in the, as far as the high school ranks, um, last year's class, or I guess this, this year's class, whatever you want to call it, the 2019 class, um, obviously got some heat from some local recruiting people, but I think it's, it was all right. You, You have to, Factor in that a lot of the scholarships that could have gone to more high school kids went to a bunch of those transfers. Um, so I, I I think right now we're seeing Oregon State starting to pick up on the recruiting trail. Jonathan Smith and his staff getting out there, being a little more known, um, and just kind of 
making a little more making a little more noise on the recruiting trail. It'll be interesting to see where things shake out come December and and February. You know, on the actual the signing days, because that's still like you got six day, six and eight months. So yeah, it's a long way off. <laughs> some of these guys could flip. You never know. I it's it wouldn't surprise me if we lost some, and or if we we're able to flip some other guys that are currently committed somewhere else. So it's, it's real early to see, but I like, I kind of like, I'd say I like the direction. I like the momentum of, of Oregon State's recruiting right now. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a couple of years, obviously, before these guys are major contributors. And as far as the guys on the field, they've still got a little ways to go. Um, I did you read uh Bill Conley from SB Nation his preview on Oregon State season? Um, I brought it. I didn't want to read it too much because I knew it was going to be surprising. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a uh, he does a good job, but it is he's pretty harsh, um, and rightfully so yeah. when it comes yeah, to I mean, the SP rankings and everything like a, that. He does a really good job. It's just it's uh the reality of our current situation is still not pretty. Yeah, and uh, he's got the his his model. He's got the Beavers down projected for two point six wins on the season, um, and I th- think they're only favored in one game all year, which is the Cal Poly game. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Last time we talked, you were pretty confident. I think we both were getting three wins on the season. How, are you still feeling pretty confident about that? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, no, that that would be my pick. I I could see anywhere between like two and four, not, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm terribly confident in three. I, I but I, I feel I feel like there's a very good chance that they're going to hit the over. Um, uh, as far as two point six, there's, and it could just be you know, hope. Because, yeah, uh, I mean, I think they may not be favored in very many games, but they're going to be a lot more competitive. And I'd be real surprised if they only had one win all season. I don't, yeah, I, yeah I, I one win is cool. That would be that would be that would make things uncomfortable. To yeah, say it'd the, be rough. The, um. And uh, I was thinking about the team, and last year, um, Trevon Bradford and Isaiah Tufaga, they kind of were the breakout surprise stars for me. I didn't see them having as big of a year as they did. Um, So I wanted to ask you, looking ahead for this upcoming season, what's one breakout star on the offensive end and one breakout star on the defensive end? Um, um, that you think people might be surprised about? 
offense, and it's it it's this isn't a big surprise for anyone who followed spring football, but was it Josiah Irish was a stud in spring football. So I think he's kind of going to be the breakout uh, breakout player on the offense. Um, I think for the offense, there's a lot less opportunity for breakout players because I feel like it's a lot more set as far as, you know, who, who's going to be playing. We already kind of know most of the guys out there. You're replacing a couple linemen and replacing Timmy Hernandez. But beyond that, I feel like there's already a decent amount of talent out there. Um, but I, th- I think Josiah Irish sort of be the breakout guy on offense. I don't know what what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I definitely think he is, as far as skill position players, um, I think people are kind of hoping Tyjon Lindsay, the Nebraska transfer, will be the breakout star. Um, and I think he'll be good, but I think with the way the expectations are right now, that people might be a little disappointed with his production on the field, um, just because there is a lot of skill position players that are going to need the football. And uh, um, But I think Nathan Eldridge, he's a newcomer, the Arizona transfer, I think he'll be really good. As long as he stays healthy, he'll definitely kind of be a star on the offensive line. Um, and what did you think about for the defensive side of the ball? There's definitely a lot more opportunities there. Yeah, I... I've kind of, I was thinking of this, and I kind of narrowed it down to two. Um, I could see that uh, Matthew Tago, Tago, he was, you know, he played some last year as a linebacker, um, was a true freshman. And he was fairly highly ranked uh, coming out of high school. So I could see him kind of breaking out. The other one I'm thinking, um, and this was the one I, if I had to pick, just one, I'd probably go with uh, uh, Key Wetzel. He's been in the program for quite a while. He's got, he, he has a lot of this, the, a lot of talent, a lot of skills. He just hasn't quite put it together. He was playing linebacker and it just, I mean, he made some plays, um, but he never really broke out. And so they moved him to safety. And I am very curious to see how that breaks out. And I, I or breaks down. And I'm, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to break out some. I think they're going to, you know, I think he'll kind of hopefully be kind of that run-stopping safety. Maybe also it can, you know, send him on the pass rush. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what he does. And I, if I had to pick out a breakout on defense, I'm going to go with Key. Yeah, I I was really um, optimistic about Key's development, especially when they picked him to be the player to represent the defense at Pac-12 Media Days. Um, but I don't know. I feel like he's kind of been moved from position to position and they, they see that he's talented, but they don't know where to put him. Um, and so now they moved him to the secondary and I'm not sure how much playing time he's going to get if everybody's healthy, which of course the secondary has had lots of problems staying healthy. Um, so he very well could get a big opportunity. Um, but for me on the defensive end, I'm looking at the defensive line. And that's going to be the biggest opportunity. And I think Evan Bennett, he's a true freshman um, out of high school. And he's kind of been a little underlooked. There's some junior college defensive linemen. But I think he's going to step up and he's going to play a lot more than people realize and have the opportunity to get 
um, a lot of tackles, tackle for a loss, that type of thing. But uh, overall, I'm I'm with you. I think the defense is going to be improved, but not necessarily good. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of – I think that's – but here's my thing. I think – I mean, obviously, you, you want your defense to be very – to be good and to be a – real contender for the Pac-12 or anything, you're going to need to have a good offense and defense. But if the offense is like last year, and I expect it to be, and I kind of expect it to improve just another year under these coaches. Um, so if the offense is as strong as it was a year ago, if you have, I mean, last year, if if the defense was bad instead of atrocious, <laughs> I think they pick up a couple, another couple wins, if, you know. Yeah. If, if if the defense can add a few more stops in a game, if they can slow down the other offense a little bit more and give Oregon State's offense some more opportunities, you could see a couple games, a uh, couple games change from uh, losses to wins. So I don't think Oregon State needs a good defense to improve this year. They need a below average instead of a dumpster fire. And they'll Yeah. So and I I I I think there's a very good chance they are a much improved defense just because of all the guys coming in. Um a lot of JUCO guys, the transfer guys, David Morris hopefully healthy this year. Um there's there's a lot there's a pretty decent influx of talent into the defense that wasn't there last year. So fingers crossed it'll be less painful. Yeah. And uh I think the opener is gonna be fascinating against Oklahoma State because they have very similar problems to Oregon State. They're a very good offensive team. Um not not as strong defensively, um, but their real weakness is the defensive line. They're a little better in their secondary. Uh, so I think it's going to be real interesting. Could turn into a shootout. And shootouts, I, even though they're in the Big 12, I think a shootout would favor Oregon State at this point. Um, but I think they opened up, I think it was 17-point favorites. Yeah. Uh, are you going to the home opener? Are you optimistic about the chances? Um. I think I'm going to the home opener. I don't know yet. I, Leo, who also, he, he does a lot of stuff for building the dam. He is a, we've been season ticket holders for a handful of years. I don't know how many off the top of my head. Um, Six-ish, but I'm going to be honest, we actually kind of gave him up for this year. It's been, so it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. You, you know, a lot of those games you go, they, they aren't fun. Um, so I, I we're not, I mean, it, it, I don't, I don't want to bash Oregon State football anymore. Um, but a couple of those games, it's like, oh, this is going to get out of hand quick. Um, so I don't necessarily know off the top of my head, which games we'll be going to this year, but I, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State's going to be one of those that we'll end up making um, just because like you said, it, it's, I always kind of like, um, some of the non-conference games, especially against other Power Five teams, just because you don't 
you, you don't get a chance to see those teams live very often. You know, probably never going to get a chance to see Oklahoma State live um, again. So, and honestly, I'm just, I got to, I got to, I got to see that mullet in person. <laughs> it's a strong choice. You got to see it in person. That's that, that Mike Gundy mullet. Um, that's something that that thing's spectacular. I I just <laughs> oh, and he's he's always been one of my like favorite coaches that I don't really know that much about. Really, um, you know, he's been there for a while, but like a decade ago, he had his. I'm a man. I'm 40 rant. And that's just, that's like, I, right now I'm, I'm 33 years old. I am so excited uh, in seven years to just say that all year, like just randomly. <laughs> My wife will probably divorce me because she'll get so annoyed at me just randomly yelling. I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> so. Yeah. I can't believe he's 51 years old right now. I just looked it up. So that was 11 years ago. It seems like just yesterday that he made that, uh, that declaration. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I might just go just to see Mike Gundy in person. Um, you know, maybe yell things at him about being a man. <laughs> 51, which I'm sure he's never gotten. I'm sure nobody's ever done that before. I'm sure that doesn't happen to him every single game, but whatever. <laughs> No, that's uh, that'd be a good one to go to. There's a couple of home games that I highlighted, um, but I think Oklahoma State is going to be closer than people expect. And then I also think the Arizona State game is going to be a good game for the Beavs. Um, looking at Arizona State's schedule, it seemed like Oregon State was kind of, um, I don't have it pulled up right now, but if I remember correctly, it was sandwiched in between a game against USC and Oregon. And um, so that's kind of a prime opportunity to to catch Arizona State while they're looking at other teams and not focused on the opponent at hand. So if we're looking at a couple of extra wins, I'd circle those two home games as potentially I fun ones. No idea what to make of the Herm Edwards experience at Arizona State. It was I I thought that hire was one of the dumbest hires, but it seems to, I mean, last year they did pretty well. So I don't know. I am very curious to see kind of how they do in year two. Arizona State's one of those teams I'm going to kind of be following a little bit just, just for the Herm Edwards factor. Yeah, he, the Pac-12, what they lack in um, national relevance and talent, they make up for in entertaining head coaches. <laughs> Yeah, between him and Mike Leach, and then he has some own weird entertainment factor of his own. It's not as obvious. He's just – that's one of those people I find fascinating too. I, I just – I don't I don't understand him, but he's just – I feel like he's one of those people that I, I don't – his brain is just probably always thinking about football. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, Chip Kelly is a very interesting guy. He's one of the type of people that I I don't want to be mean, but I bet he sits around and watches a lot of football and film and doesn't have a lot of social life. Would you agree with that? I I would be surprised if he has any social life. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and, and I don't really mean that as an insult. Personally, I have very little social life. So I, it's, you know, it's, I'm not necessarily judging the man. I'm just, uh, I feel like his, I, I feel like he's the person that doesn't really want a social life. He wants breakdown game film and draw plays and, you know, that's it. <laughs> and um so I'm looking at the Pac-12 this season and Oregon is getting a lot of preseason hype because Herbert's back at quarterback instead of being a first round NFL draft pick. Um but who do you think is going to be like the surprise team in the Pac-12 based on expectations and who do you think is going to be a disappointment? Uh ooh. Surprise, I I'm I'm actually gonna go Cal. Mm. I I think Wilcox has got it going there. Their defense is really good. Um their offense hasn't been that strong, but they but if a a guy who I at least I I, I believe to be a very good offensive coordinator in Bo Baldwin, um he was actually the one I wanted Oregon State to hire instead um when they ended up hiring Smith. So I think there's a good chance they get some things rolling there on the offensive side. Um, And kind of like I mentioned earlier, like with Oregon state, you know, their defense doesn't need to be all worldly. Um, I think it's sort of the same thing with Cal's offense. If they, if they can muster a decent offense, you know, um, combined with that defense, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to make some noise in the conference. And I've, I, you know, they'll have to, the, the Pac-12 North has some pretty strong teams in Washington and Stanford and, and Oregon. Um, <laughs> but so, so it's a little, it's going to be a little harder for them to kind of climb that ladder. But I, that's, that's my team that I think is going to surprise some people, especially, especially some of the, you know, especially nationally where I, I don't think, Cal is getting a, people know much about Cal yet. Um, I could see them having a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, I, for me, I kind of, I'm, I don't know what to make of the PAC 12 this year, but I think a couple of teams that are perpetually underrated are Utah and Washington state. I think, um, yeah, just cause they don't recruit as well as the California schools that they kind of are underrated each year but I think Utah especially is going to be a very good football team this year and might surprise some people that was that was that was the team I was kind of I was debating between Cal and Utah um the only reason I picked Cal is basically I think Cal is a little less known in a sense um Utah Utah is constantly underrated but they also seem to consistently finish the season very strong um, near the top of the Pac-12 South. So I, I, I believe it. I think they'll have another, they'll have, you're right there. They'll be, they'll be pretty strong this year too. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. I was surprised you uh, said that out loud. I know you're, you got your, your anti-Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh, I did go to BYU and they're uh, big time rivals with Utah. So it pains me to say it, but I, I do think Utah is going to be good this year. Although I'm still picking BYU to win the opener against Utah. Call me, call me crazy. 
<laughs> um, and who do you think is going to be the mis- most disappointing team in the Pac-12? Um, see, I, and this isn't, I, I, I mean, maybe it is, um, maybe this is some of my bias. Um, I, I don't, I don't think Oregon's going to be as good as some of the odds have them. Cause of what they're, aren't they favorite? Or yeah. someone who's co-favorite to win the Pac-12? I, yeah, I just don't. I'm going to read a couple of the odds um, real quick, but to win the Pac-12 championship, Oregon and Washington co-favorites at plus 260, yeah. and then goes down from there. Yeah, I I think they'll be a, I think Oregon will be a good team, but I don't, I don't know that they'll be super good. I think, I, I don't think they're going to live up to those expectations. The only reason I think they, they might compete for the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 isn't very good. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's not. It hasn't been for a couple of years. I think, you know, Washington is replacing their quarterback. They have um, basically every good quarterback ever still on their roster. I have no idea how they have so many quality quarterbacks on their roster. It's kind of bananas. Yeah. But yeah. so I, maybe they fall, but I still think, I still think they're, I still think Washington's kind of the pick for the North. Um, yeah, for sure. I, also, I, I want Oregon to disappoint too. So maybe it's just, maybe it's just what I want and I'm predicting it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um a- a couple of teams that are prime for a disappointing season are the are USC constantly overrated because of their recruiting and then I think Arizona um has a chance to disappoint just because I don't believe in Kevin Kevin Sumlin as the head coach over there. Yeah, I I didn't even think uh, about USC because I they, they they I don't know why they still have Clay Hilton. I don't know what they're doing over there. I yeah. At this point, I don't think Clay Helton is a good coach, and I don't think anybody else thinks that. But I think USC is afraid to make another head coaching change. I mean, they just want their futility. They want to go back to the old old days, so they're just trying to ride it out and hope he can get things back on track. Yeah, I I I think they're waiting for Urban Meyer, honestly. Yeah, that would certainly enter another volatile coach into the Pac-12 coaching hierarchy. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about a few of these odds that I picked up. Most oh. of them are from FanDuel. So my my wife has me going to a wedding in California this summer. Two of them, actually. So we're going to naturally have to stop by Vegas. So... I'm looking to lose a... Yeah, we're driving. Okay, I was going to say, I don't... I, I didn't know. I I envisioned flying in. I'm like, I don't think Vegas is necessarily <laughs> close enough to just like, oh, we're here in California. Let's just... Okay, I got you. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. So, you know, we're driving the terrible drive from Utah to California. Um, So we're, dr- we're stopping by Vegas, going to eat some Shake Shack, going to make some bets. Um, and so I'm looking here. We got the Pac-12 championship odds, Oregon, Washington, 
are up there. Then it goes Utah, Arizona, USC, um, some win totals, and then also Heisman and college football champion. Who's your bet right now to win the Pac-12, win the whole 2019 championship, and then win the Heisman? Uh, Pac-12, Washington. Um, national title, I'd go Clemson. And that's, I know that's, that seems like the easy way out because they're, I think they're the favorite, but I also think they're the favorite for a reason. Um, yeah. And is in that same vein for Heisman, I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence. That guy was, I mean, that guy, that, if he, if he could, he would probably be a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Like he's, very, very talented. Um, so, I mean, I, those all sound very, uh, very safe, safe bets and not a whole lot of risk, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, and I do think Washington wins a Pac-12, but that one, that one is the one I'm least confident in. Um, mm. But you're not yeah. going to make money on those bets. Eh, yeah, still, hey, making a little bit of money is better than losing it all. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I think Washington is going to win the Pac-12, and I think, but I might be biased because I hate Oregon. Um, <laughs> I think I was going to go, I think USC, their win total is set at eight and a half. So regular season wins, eight and a half. I'm definitely going to go the under on that one. I do not believe in USC. Yeah, no, that's that. I would, I would definitely go under. Um, and then I was kind of thinking of a dark horse Heisman contender, and I'm pretty high on Georgia football team as a whole. And I think if you're in the college football playoffs and you're one of the quarterbacks, you have a good chance to be yeah. in the Heisman conversation. So Jake Fromm is the quarterback from Georgia. I think he might have a good year. See, I, if you're going to go off the board there, I, I go Jalen Hurts because the past two Heisman winners have been Oklahoma quarterbacks who transferred from another school. Why not three in a row? <laughs> True. But I don't think Jalen Hurts is very good quarterback, if I'm being not, honest. That, that, that could affect his Heisman chances. <laughs> But no, you're right. Oklahoma's probably going to be back in the college football playoff competition, and um, he could have a good year. They're doing something right down there in Oklahoma. See, you need to make one of those bets. Like, I, I don't know if uh, you saw this story. Um, so, the uh, the St. Louis Blues just won the Stanley Cup in January. They were dead last in the league. They were. They were the worst team as far as record. And some dude put, I think it was a $400 bet on them to win the cup in January mm-hmm. when, and they're, when they were up were in dead last. And I believe he just won a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Oregon state 2019 <laughs> yeah. champion. Just, just, <laughs> Drop ten on a, you know, ten on Oregon State, and you know, everyone's wasted ten dollars on something stupid. That's that. This ten dollars, at least, you know, there's that slight chance of 
everything lining up perfectly. And yeah. then you're just stupid rich. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, any other thoughts you wanted to get out about Mitch Canham or football, basketball? Um, no, not necessarily, but I did I did send out a tweet yesterday from Building the Dam and ask people if they have any questions. So I figure I gotta we gotta touch on at least one or two just because oh, yeah. I feel bad if if I ask that and don't. Um here, let's go with Tyler Rice. He says, Do you feel yourself falling through open space unhindered by the constraints of time when staring into the eyes of Mitchell Canham? I'm gonna let you answer that one. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go with a resounding yes on that one. <laughs> one of the other ones. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this is actually from um one of the one of the uh people over at uh, Ralphie Report. It was a uh how are the or- Orioles going to build around a mediocre college kicker? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really have an answer for that. I just uh I just appreciated the question. Um <laughs> No, I honestly, it, I was one of those. I think you know, if baseball wasn't a sport or whatever, he would have, and he just had stuck to college football kicking. He would have been a damn good kicker by the end of his uh, the end of his career. He was a uh, in high school when I was working at, at Tiger. We played Sherwood in the playoff game, and dude nailed a sixty-three yard field goal that. Honestly, it it could have, it had it had some more, but it had some more to it too. Like, it, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to go uh, too extreme, but I think at least sixty five. That thing's good. So he's got a leg. Um, <laughs> wow. And then, okay, um, the, the last one. Sorry. You, no, yeah, I, I wanted to ask this question as well. Oh, the uh, one from Matt. Yep. Okay, he says we got Smitty for football which is Jonathan Smith, obviously. Um, Canham for baseball. So when and, Tinkle... And uh, Scott Rulick and Scott is Rulick an alumni. But, is an alumni. But I think but, in this, in this we're going, you know, team player, the guys that played for that team. Um, so right. let's say, you know, Tinkle's, Tinkle leaves or gets let go or whatever. It says Barrier Payton for basketball coach next. And I... I'm all in on the Gary Payton for basketball coach. <laughs> Gary Payton is a great basketball player. I'm not sure he's the most level-headed guy that you want molding young men for your basketball team, but that's just me. Um, but no, he uh, isn't he the co- isn't he a coach in the in that big three? I think he is. Yeah. So he the has experience. Cream. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, yeah, I think either of them would be good. Brent Berry would be good. We gotta get some alumni back in that running the basketball program. Gary Payton is the coach of the Three Headed Monsters. <laughs> um, the uh, they're usually really good, though. Like one of the top teams, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I was I was trying to figure that out real quick. I can't. I'm just gonna go ahead and believe you, but. Um, <laughs> They had Kwame Brown, who, you know, yeah. former number one pick. Former um, number one pick. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm all in on 
um, getting the glove back. <laughs> but let's just go all in on this former player coaching current team thing and just just roll with it. I don't I don't know, you know, we got to we got to start firing soccer coaches and softball coaches and stuff to get former players and eventually just have every single Oregon State sport coached by a by an alum. Though it it's got to be an alum cuz we can't let let Ruick go. I mean, he he obviously never played for the Oregon State women's basketball team, but we'd hate to lose yeah. him. And given his height, he I don't think he played for Oregon State's men's basketball team at all. <laughs> True. <laughs> Maybe he was. Basketball. And that's I don't mean that like I'm a short dude, so I, I get it. Like, but <laughs> well, I gotta get going. Yeah. Um but thanks Travis and thanks everybody for the Twitter questions. And uh have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too.